We are thankful that you're here this morning um, at Glenlock Baptist Church. I'm going to try to get through, through these announcements without it sounding like just incoherent babbling. Um, my brain's trying to catch up with my mouth. So um, we, uh, we had a great week at uh, camp this week, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. Um, if you see any blue shirts like this, they were most of them were with us, and so, um, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But just a few announcements as we get started. One being, we are having communion this morning. Um, we are having communion this morning, so um, pre- be preparing your hearts for that. Tonight, there will be no kids or student services tonight, um, but we will have our marriage class tonight at six followed by a deacon's meeting at 7. So that are, those are both happening tonight. Um, there's a wedding shower for um, Ellie Googe on July 10th here at the church at 1 o'clock, and that is a, I've been told that's a women's shower. Okay, so guys, take the day off. <laughs> um, so that's July 10th. If you have any questions, you can see uh, Casey Cook, and uh, she will... She will give you more instructions on, those, on, on that date. Um, for July, there should be a new calendar coming out soon. There's a student calendar back there. And um, also happening this week is Catherine's wedding. So Catherine and Russ are getting married. Yay. They're getting married Saturday at uh, 2 o'clock right here at the church. And so all are invited to that wedding uh, this coming Saturday at 2 o'clock with a reception to follow. Um, and then also be in prayer this week. Many of us leave again tomorrow morning to go to Rockridge until Thursday. So um, pray for whatever students are in my cabin um, because I don't, know, I don't know what's going to happen. I've never done three weeks in a row. So, um, But no, we're, we're looking forward to that week as well. And... Um, Prayers are appreciated for that. So I really quickly want to talk um, just for, for a second about kind of what we talked about at camp this week. We were in the book of Jude, if you can tell by my shirt. And the, uh, the theme for the week was to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. And so I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, I just want to read the last uh, five or six verses, uh, which would have been our last two sermons um, of the week. And this is kind of Jude bringing his book to a conclusion um, kind of, kind of telling um, the 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 Christians that he is speaking to, both why and how um, they contend for the faith. And so, the book of Jude, starting in verse seventeen, it says, "But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers, who will follow their own ungodly desires." These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and, without, and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. 
So I'm going to ask Emily Grissett if she would come up, and she's going to share a little bit of what she got out of camp this week, and uh, then we will lead into worship. Good morning. So Bryson asked me to come up here and speak, and at first I was like, no, I'm not getting in front of the church, not happening. But surprise, I'm here. Um, so as Bryson said, this week we studied in Jude and Second Peter, and our main theme was to contend for the faith. And to contend means to strive for something with every effort against difficulties. So one of the main things that stuck out to me throughout the sermons was that we should know who the whole God is in order to be able to contend for the faith. And, I mean, what's the point in fighting for something if you don't know what you're fighting for? So one of the things that the pastor said was, you don't need to doubt but have a bigger view of God because God is not like us. So how do you know who the whole God is? Well, you read the word of God, you study the Bible to learn more about his character and to learn more about your character, what your character should be and take out distractions to fellowship with other believers. And these are all like Sunday school answers, but these Sunday school answers can change your life when you actually put them into practice. Second um, Peter 1, 3 through 7 says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So he goes through this whole list of qualities that we should supplement our faith with and the literal definition of supplement is to add on to. So because our faith is truth and it is founded on who God is, we should constantly be building and acting on our faith to become fruitful for the Lord. So I just want to encourage everyone to remember the power of God and to learn more about who he is so that we can all be contenders for the faith as well. If you'll stand with me, we're going to begin worship this morning singing Amazing Grace.
Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, what powerful worship, Lord, and just praising your name. God, Lord, I know you hear, you hear us singing, and I know you love to hear your people sing, God, but Lord, thank you for a beautiful hymn that just reminds us so much about our faith, God, but Lord, thank you for the power and the worship and the praise that comes from us just simply saying, God, praise you. Lord, I just pray that you have your way in this service, God, as we compare, uh, prepare our hearts for communion, God. Lord, I just pray that your will and way will be made present, God. And I pray that we just continue to worship you this morning, God, in a way that's without limits or boundaries, Lord. May you receive all honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
you will stand. We're going to sing together one more time. Greater are you, Lord. Thank you, Catherine, for leading one of the songs we sang at camp. So I hope you guys noticed the familiarity of that song. While we sang that song this week, I was 
moved during worship by that song and sent a text to Catherine and said, could we sing that? So thank you for uh, leading us in that song. Hey, as the children leave for children's ministry, let's turn to the Gospel of Luke where we will find ourselves today with a familiar story concerning a man named Zacchaeus. Have you ever heard that one? He was a wee little man, wasn't he? I love this story, and there's so much here, and you're thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, there's so much here. We we all need a friend like Adrian Stubbs. I love you, Adrian Stubbs. He stuck his head in my office this morning, and he says, how you doing, old man? I says, just got done with youth camp. (laughs) And then Melissa, his daughter, Stubbs Sullivan, came in, and Melissa's back there. As soon as I saw her, I thought, man, she was at the very first camp that I went to. You remember that? A thousand years ago (laughs) is when that was. Well, you know, that's what Adrian said. Adrian dated, dated it. But now Melissa's a mom, and she's a wife. So let's not underestimate the impact that we can make on future mothers and fathers, citizens, workers. Hey, life isn't easy. Life's a lot like youth camp. You, you enter into life with an ideal um, image of how things are going to go. <laughs> and life is a lot like youth camp. A, a lot of challenges and opportunities present themselves along the way, don't they? So I'm very grateful to be preaching this morning for the first time ever in a (laughs) t-shirt. Brett, I feel like you and I need to trade shirts. Where's your your youth camp shirt, brother? It needs washing, I'm sure. You could have worn it. We wouldn't have noticed. There's a stain on here from one of the meals we had earlier earlier this week. so let's dive into Luke 19, 1 through 10. What does God have for us in the story of Zacchaeus? Here's the interesting thing. Jesus has been preaching and teaching in parable form. A lot of the things that we're going to see put on display here in a real and actual way. For example, in Luke 15, he's talked about already a a, a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son. But now we get to see that really happen. So you plan youth camp and you've got, you know, everything, you're you're talking about it, you're building up to it. But then the, the reality of dealing with students for a week at the beach is different from how you may preach it, teach it, imagine it. So in Luke 19, we've got a real person who's a real sinner. You've got real people around him who have been hurt by this person. And then you've got a real Savior coming to seek and save the lost. So let's read this familiar story. Uh, Grace and truth on display. Is, is, is how I'm titling uh, this particular portion of Luke's gospel. 
And I'll be honest, all of this is in preparation for communion. Okay, where Jesus demonstrates in a real and practical way, this is my body given for you. This is my blood which is shed for you. So Jesus, in verse 1, entered and was passing through Jericho. Now, we were on the Jericho Road with blind Bartimaeus last week, and Jesus opened his eyes so that he could see. And behold, I wish you could go back and notice every time Luke uses that significant phrase, and behold. Draw your attention here. Notice this. Watch this. God is doing something significant and amazing here. And behold, there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. And he wasn't just a tax gatherer. He was a chief tax gatherer. And lo and behold, he was rich. So what I want you to remember is that a couple of weeks ago, this is why it's important to come every week and stay with the story. You're going to miss some episodes. They're important. Um, We saw a couple of weeks ago a wealthy man unable unable to leave everything and follow Christ. And the disciples said, well, who can be saved? And Jesus said, well, it's very difficult for a rich person to be saved But with God, this is not impossible. It's impossible with man, but it it, it is possible with God. Here we have the possible. Here is a rich man who's going to be saved. But look at verse 3. He was trying. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But he was unable. He was unable because of the crowd. Because he was small in stature. So he did some something very undignified in this particular culture for a man of this position. He ran on ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him for Jesus was about to pass through that way. And as the savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, right? So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. He looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus hurried and he came down and he received him Gladly, What a picture of saving faith. He, he received Jesus with joy when they, and you all know who they are, all right? We've all, we all talk about they. When they saw it, they began to grumble. It's a pretty strong term here. They began to grumble and complain. and They, they don't like this. And they start saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped. He stood still. 
then what I notice is he's been running this whole story up until this point. He puts his foot down and he stands still. And he says to the Lord, Behold! Ah, Zacchaeus uses the behold. Things have shifted. Here's a new beginning. Behold, Lord. Don't miss that turn. Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Half, not my salary, not what I make, everything I have. I'm going to give that to those who are in great great need and if I have wronged anyone if I have defrauded anyone of anything I'm going to make restitution I'm going to make it right I will give back four times as much which was way beyond the legal requirement for restitution And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son, he too is a child of Father Abraham. For the Son of Man has come. He's come down, right? To do what? To seek and to save that which was lost. What a wonderful gospel story. Father, thank you so much for this real-life demonstration and a real-life person of your grace and truth and salvation at work. Teach us, Lord, of our own sinful condition. Teach us, Lord, of your great compassion. Teach us, Lord, about your mission both to seek and to save the lost and show us Lord how that changes our lives not just to be forgiven but to to become more like you in Christ's name we pray amen one country music singer put it like this here in the real world it's not that easy at all (laughs) So on my way back from youth camp, uh, if you're like me, when you travel back from the Gulf up to our particular area, man, you pass all those roadside produce stands. And they sell watermelons, and they sell peaches, they sell tomatoes. And I'm driving back from youth camp, and I'm, I'm starting to crave, all right? A watermelon, a peach, homegrown tomatoes. So just before I get into the Al- Al- just before I cross the Alabama line, I pull into a roadside market where uh, a family has set up, and I say to myself, "I'm about to enjoy me some fresh produce and ta- even take some home." Now, I'm not with the rest of the group. I've just got Jake and Bennett with me, and we're in my truck. So I pull in there and step out onto the, the red, dusty clay and go up to the, to, to the people who, who are there serving. 
uh, and, and on display are all of these beautiful baskets of peaches. And on display are these huge watermelons, and they're of different varieties. And on display are these tom tomatoes, and it's just, oh, I'm just ready to eat it all up. So I go over there to the young lady who's checking people out, and uh, she said, would you like to try a peach? I said, sure. So she carves open a peach, and she hands it to me, and man, it is delicious. And I said immediately, I'll take a whole basket of them. She said, well, let me tell you, they're $20. I was like, ooh, $20, I wasn't expecting that. I looked in my wallet, I had $8. Mm. I said, um, do, you, do you take credit? or debit cards? She said, no, we don't take debit or credit cards. I said, well, what can I get for $8? She said, we have an $8, $8 watermelon. I said, I guess I'll take it. And then I said, uh, well, tell your father that like he's got a beautiful stand here. She says, that's not my father. She says, that's my fiance. And so, <laughs> I said, please do not tell him that. I think, I think I'll take my watermelon and give you my $8, and I'm going to the truck, and we're headed home. All right. Man, there, there is no situation and circumstance in life that, 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 that matches up to our ideal perfection of how things ought to be. So it's really refreshing for us as we read this story. It's like we're going from the, from the classroom into the shop. And if you're in high school and you took shop, you kind of know what I'm saying. You go from the theoretical and the idea, the bookwork, to actually putting it into real practice in real actual time. Now, I did get to taste the peach, and the peach was really good, but it was just a taste. Now, what we have here is a taste of the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. There are some grumblers, and there are some complainers, and there are some issues to be resolved here, but Christ, man, he, he puts on display the beauty of the gospel and the beauty and the majesty of God in a magnificent way. Truths that we find from the beginning of the Bible to the middle of the story, at the end of the story. And I just want to wrap this story around three highlighted things that I want us to and behold, to behold. Number one is we need to remember, we need to know the sinner's condition. We need to remember the sinner's condition. And we need to know our own condition and the condition of the other sinners around us. So Zacchaeus is a case study for what it means to be a sinner. Jesus uses Zacchaeus as a, as a display of what it's like to be lost, what it's like to be a sinner. And so I've got all these terms that describe his condition, but they also describe my condition and your condition. They say he's gone to be the guest of a man who is a 
sinner. So first of all, that means he was lawless. He was a lawbreaker. First John says, sin is lawlessness. Now Zacchaeus was a criminal. He was corrupt in a corrupt place. When I read how commentators describe Jericho, it's like they're describing Dodge City. It's like they're describing the, the creature cantina in Star Wars. Full of rogues and thieves and roughnecks. There's a reason when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan that the man was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among who? Thieves. Zacchaeus fit right in. He was as lawless as any of them. In fact, working under the Roman authority, he could, he could extort, he could use his power and his position to take taxes from the people and man, the more he could take, the more he could take. And so he defrauded people. He wronged people. He was a lawbreaker. Zacchaeus illustrates what all of us are in that all of us have failed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all of us have failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Zacchaeus was lawless. We can't elaborate all this. He was also little. <laughs> now you may think, well, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, he, he literally didn't measure up. He was a walking illustration of all of us in that all of us have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. So no matter how much money Zacchaeus had, no matter how much position he had, no matter how much power he had, Zacchaeus was still a little man. Some people imagine that maybe he suffered from a Napoleon complex. He was a little man. He felt his smallness. And all of us may wonder, how do I fit in in the grand scheme of things? Is there even a grand scheme of things? He was small. I think at times he must have just imagining and knowing life as we do. You know, you remember the song back in the 60s or 70s, Short People Got No Reason? Man, short people traditionally have been mocked, made fun of. There was a guy working for the Carrollton City School System who every day would help with the kids getting in and out, and my little boys called him Midget Man. Come on, guys, quit. That's terrible. Midget Man. Guy goes off and gets an education, become a, t a teacher, and then he's Midget Man. Did this guy have to do like one of my boys had to do to, to, to make the height of the, the go-kart ride? One year, Asa stuffed his socks. Day before, he fell short. Day after, he was just over the line. He wanted to be big enough. Now, here's what I'm going to say. All of us fall short. 
I don't care if you're seven feet tall or five foot five. We had one kid go to youth camp with us. He's five foot five. I saw on his Instagram post, he put a, he put a video up of him dunking one of the goals at camp. Did y'all see this? He had to have some help. <laughs> and you can't see his help in the video, but he had to have some help to reach heights that high and to do things like that. All I'm saying is that all of us are small. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned and, listen, fallen short of the glory of God. So he was lawless, he was little, so he was limited. He had to work around his own limitations. Not just his height, but also the fact that who wants to allow Zacchaeus beside them to watch the parade? Now, I had in my mind the Braves World Series parade that I went to. and if, I mean, people were scrambling. People were climbing up stuff. Everybody wanted to see Freddie Freeman. Everybody wanted to see the trophy. So picture Peachtree Street with all these people clamoring and, and searching and looking for a place. But because he was small and because he was disliked, he had to do something radically different to compensate for his smallness. He climbed up in a tree. He's limited. Do you realize how limited you are? In many areas, and all of us searching to compensate for our lack, he's also lost. He's lost. He's as lost as one of my golf balls in tall grass. He's unable to find his way. He's not fulfilling his God-ordained purpose. He's wandering aimlessly along life's path and life's journey, trying to find his own way. But as I said earlier, he's like the lost sheep. And a lost sheep just wanders off naturally. He's like a lost coin. A lost coin is lost helplessly. And a lost son in Luke 15 was lost willfully. Zacchaeus is a real person. He's a real person who's lost. And his only hope is that someone, God, comes to find him. Last of all, he's looking. I did it again. They all started with L. He's lawless. He's little. He's limited. He's lost. He's looking. He is looking for something. He has this God-shaped void inside of him. God has put eternity in his heart. And every sinner, every human being living in a fallen, sin-cursed world deals with what it's like to be limited and lawless and little and lost in that we have a restlessness that only God can satisfy. We could talk all day long, each of us, about our emptiness our loneliness, our insecurity, our guilt, 
and our fears, especially our fear of death. Looking below the surface of Zacchaeus, let's think about what it means to be a sinner in need of grace and truth. He's on display. He's a case study. He's a real-life human being. Now, one of the things that I enjoy most about youth camp is that I was assigned five guys. No, they did not own a hamburger chain. Five guys and fries, if you're still with me. But these guys, yeah, dad humor at its best, Larry. You know, you imagine, hey, we're going to go to youth camp. We're going to make a difference. And then you get these guys in small groups following the messages each night from Jude by the preachers. And after every session, Bryson gave us some questions to ask the guys. And at, at the beginning of the week, they weren't really opening up. But let me tell you one question that you can ask and that I ask at the end of every small group meeting at night following the session. I would ask these guys, is there anything going on in your life that I could pray about? Is there anything going on in your life that I can pray about? And let me say that my heart was moved to hear that their struggles are like all of our struggles. They confess to having doubts. They confess to having temptations. They confess to having issues with their parents and with their siblings and issues that their parents were having with one another, issues that their siblings were having with one another. Those guys just really opened up and began to share more as the week went on about their particular needs, spiritually, financially, in every way. And all of us can do a better job of coming alongside people and listening to people and asking people, is there anything in your life that I could pray with you about? And a lot that Zacchaeus was, and a lot that we are, can rise to the surface. And then we can point them to the next point, which is the good news. Because we could talk all day long about the sinner's condition, but where we really want to go is to the Savior's compassion. A Savior's compassion Two worlds are colliding here. Lost humanity and perfect, holy, gracious, majestic, sovereign God in Christ. And when those two worlds collide, the interaction is amazing because it tells us a lot about God's heart and His compassion. I want to make some contrasting points about Jesus, about our Savior, because we have Jesus and His grace and his power and his love on full display here with a real-life person in a real-life place in a real-life point in time. The key verse to me is verse 5 where he says to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house. Now that must 
is a word that's called a divine imperative. It meant that God must. When Jesus said, I must go to Jerusalem, I must die on the cross, it's that kind of must. It's a must that is sovereign. It's a must that is providential. It is God's grace and his call in action. And it proves to us that this Savior who is compassionate is all-knowing. The creator of the universe knows everything about us. Can you imagine Zacchaeus? 4.8 billion galaxies in our universe. At least that's what I've been told. (laughs) Who's counting, right? And Jesus knows Zacchaeus. Personally, intimately, he knows the number of hairs on his head. Zacchaeus is is inscribed upon his palm. The creator of the universe knows everything about us. And not only is he knowing, but he's, he's seeking. I love where it says Jesus looked up. He saw Zacchaeus. So the creator of this vast universe pursues and initiates a relationship with each of us. We have each been typed into, so to speak, his search engine. And he is not only knowing us and seeking us, but here's the third one. He is calling us. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. We used to sing a song as a family When mercy called me, he called me by name. When God's mercy called me, he called me by name. I love that Jesus, in the midst of Jericho and all that it was, calls Zacchaeus by name. Not only is he calling, but he's loving. As I said earlier, the same must that took him to the cross was the same must that took him to Zacchaeus' house. It's the same must that he uses When he says, I must go through Samaria to have a personal interaction with who? The woman at the well. This story reminds me so much of the story of the woman at the well. So it was a divine necessity. God had set his love upon Zacchaeus and God has set his love on us. God has set his love on you and me. He knew me, yet he what? He loved me. That's an amazing truth. This word implies that a rope has been tied around something and is bound to something. That is God's saving, electing love for Zacchaeus. He's knowing, he's seeking, he's calling, he's loving. And then last and certainly not least, it builds up to this, he is saving. It's God's work of grace from beginning to end. And in the package of salvation, including within it, is forgiveness, which is justification, transformation, which is sanctification, and a future glory, which is glorification. Jesus must save, and he will save. Zach could not save himself. The law could not save him. He needed a miracle. 
And God, through his grace, works it right here in a real time, in a real place, in a real person. So I want to make one remark in passing to myself and to all of us. If, if we are totally dependent upon God's grace, then you and I must hustle and strive to put ourselves in the paths of his grace. Let me give you a concept, spiritual hustle, working, striving, moving, contending. Bartimaeus put himself right beside the road where Jesus was passing by. Zacchaeus climbs into the tree because he knows that Jesus is passing by and he wants to see who Jesus is. There are ways that you and I can hustle and press on and persevere and put ourselves in the paths of his grace. Well, where does he move? Where does he speak? Where does his grace come? It comes in worship. It comes in Bible study. It comes in prayer. It comes in weeks with our youth. It comes in Wednesday night Bible study. It comes in singing at the nursing homes on, on Thursday. God's grace is at work. His grace is moving. I could go on and on. Spiritually hustling. Spiritually hurrying. Not being apathetic. And not being frustrated, but instead continually placing myself in the places where Jesus has promised to be there and to work and to move. You and I are totally dependent upon His grace, not only for forgiveness, but for transformation and growth and future glory. How do I place myself in the paths of His grace? He's not limited to those. But we know that there are places that are promised and ordained of God to make a difference in our lives. And the scriptures show you where those places are. There was one small kid named Michael who every morning, when we went out to do devotion, that boy found him some shade. <laughs> it didn't matter if he had to lay beside a trash can, a water drain, a beach chair, he was finding the place he needed to be. That's what you and I need to do. Where can we find shelter and grace passing by? Let me, let me get to the third point. And, and to be honest, this was the one I was going to spend the most time on, but I'm changing my mind as we go. You got the sinner's condition. You got a Savior's compassion. And, and this is remarkable. There is a shocking conversion that takes place. A shocking conversion. It's not just surprising. It is scandalous. Because had you been in the crowd, you might would have said, Jesus, that's not right. This guy owes us money. How can you just forgive this notorious criminal? This rogue who has wronged us. What's interesting is that we see in Zacchaeus' response evidence of repentance and faith. I see three marks that he was truly born again and converted and had joyfully received Jesus into not only his house but into his life. This is a great reversal. There's confidence. Now with a right standing before God, Zacchaeus has a right standing before his community. 
And in the face of all these grumblers and in the face of all these accusers, he stands and he stands boldly. After all his motion, he stops. And I, I, I feel a confident Zacchaeus about to pour out his heart. The second thing is not just confidence. Because if God is for you, all these grumblers and accusers can't be against us. He also has generosity. Generosity. He begins to fulfill God's will regarding his material goods. Half my goods I give to the poor. Man, he opens up his heart and his life and he sacrificially gives to those who are in need. He begins to make things right with the people who he has wronged. He says, if I have defrauded anyone, I will restore four times as much. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, hey, wait, stop. Don't do that. No, Jesus welcomes this. Jesus welcomes this restitution. Jesus affirms this as evidence of salvation. This is fruit that is following repentance, evidence of grace. Isn't it wonderful that the grace that saves us also transforms us? But grace that would forgive us without changing us is less than amazing. And that's why John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, had fruit and evidence in his life of, of going from a, a slave trader to someone who served and gave and surrendered his life to the lordship of Jesus. Lord, half of what I have, I give to the poor. Then the last aspect of this, not just his confidence and not just his generosity, but his adoption. He has been adopted. He was a prodigal son, rebelling and running from God. And now he's been adopted into God's covenant family by grace through faith. He too is a son of Abraham. When Abraham looked up and counted the stars, and God said, Look, Abraham, these represent the people who are going to come to you. Zacchaeus was in those stars. He was known by God, called by God, loved by God. So God, through the gospel, is saying, as he said to Zacchaeus, I know you, I love you, I will save you. Turn from trusting yourself, believe in Jesus, and cast yourself upon the good news of Him. All I have to offer Him is brokenness and strife, but He made something beautiful of my life. God does that in Zacchaeus' life. Zacchaeus trades the small story of who he is for the big story of who God is. But as we close, I want to remind us of what God has done for us, because I'll go back to this comment that Zacchaeus was small. Zacchaeus was small. What has happened in the gospel? I want to borrow from something Charles Spurgeon says, because the gospel is about how our big, great, rich, powerful God becomes small and poor and weak. God made himself little. God's making himself little is the cause of our becoming great. We are so little, think Zacchaeus. We are so little that if God should display his greatness without condescension, we would be trampled under his feet. But God, who must 
stooped to view the skies and bowed to see what angels do, turns his eye yet lower and looks to the lowly and the contrite and makes them great. It's God's gentleness and his becoming small that makes us great. How does Luke's gospel begin? God in a womb. God becoming extremely tiny, extremely small, and growing and dying on a cross, and, and like Zacchaeus, going on a tree, and being humiliated, and mocked, and ridiculed, and hated. God came down and gave himself sacrificially and generously. So what you and I are called to do is stop what we're doing like Zacchaeus did and ask of ourselves, okay, how can I help? What can I do? How can I give? How can I sacrifice? And that is the fruit and the evidence that we, like Zacchaeus, have repented of our sins, placed faith in Christ, and then willingly given ourselves and our life away for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So let's close there because now let's have another sermon, which is the Lord's Supper. This is his body, which he gave for us. This is his blood, which he shed for us. Like Zacchaeus, by faith, we receive this gladly. But we receive it in humility. And having received it gladly and in humility and brokenness, then we also become givers, giving away our lives, our bodies, our energy, our time, and our talent in order to honor and glorify Him. So let's pray. Then I'm going to ask our deacons, active or inactive, probably need your help this morning just looking around. Let's spend some time reflecting on what God has done for us in Christ what we deserved in comparison to what he gave. Father, thank you so much for the privilege and joy of preaching the good news. Zacchaeus' conversion was truly shocking to people around him. People became angry about it. But Lord, he stood there and gave in a real way, practically, of his resources to demonstrate the joy and gladness that he had. This is Christ's likeness because we have before us the practical reminder of what you gave so that we might be forgiven, so that we might become generous, so that we might have confidence, so that we might be adopted. Help us each one to personally reflect during our time on our own sin and what you have done to forgive it. And then what we can give in return. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If our deacons would come forward now, we will serve communion. Last month, um, we went back to a different way, a new way of serving communion. Um, you'll see when you receive your cup. But the bread is underneath. It give you time to separate. And then I'll lead us first in partaking of the bread. Then I'll lead us in drinking the cup. But before we do, Bill, would you lead us in prayer, please?
Amen.
Paul says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they did eat. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they did drink. Amen. Stand, if you would, for our hymn of invitation. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. This describes the salvation God has given for us that we receive by faith in Jesus. as we close um, I don't know if everyone knows this but Rhonda Massey, Rhonda Rice uh, passed, please pray for her family um, arrangements will be announced later uh, pray for Allie, and pray for James and pray for Dylan uh, continue to pray for the Jan Green family the Callie Dewberry Hill family, then Paul Sackerson had knee surgery recently so Paul is doing well in fact he thought he was going to be here today and his wife said no you're not going to be there today, you're going to going to take care of you um, and also pray for our local PRCs as many of you know Roe v. Wade on a federal level has been overturned okay so our local PRC has known that that was probably coming and we're praying for that so that's going to bring for them though new challenges and new opportunities so let's be in prayer for our local pregnancy resource center and other pregnancy resource centers 
around the country. And let's ask the Lord for us as individuals, what can we do to help? Amen. What can we do to help families, women, children of, of, of all ages, from the womb to the tomb? What can we do individually to minister and support and love those um, whom God has created in, in his image? So, um, I yes, ma'am. Amen. Something practical and real that we can give in a real place and time to help those in need. Thank you, Mr. Long. And that's always a, a... You'll do what? Okay, Jenny will take care of that. Thank you, Jenny, for your love and your willingness. Uh, deacons at 6, marriage class? No. Marriage at 6, deacons at 7. And we announced Ellie and Gavin's shower on the 11th at uh, 1 o'clock. Or is it 10? It's 10. Can't read my own writing. Hey, thank y'all so much for being here. You have a blessed week with your families. Oh, children's camp. Yeah, we need to pray for children's camp. Hey. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, for those who don't know, Miss Judy Leopard's sister was Jan Green. I mentioned that last Sunday morning. Our service was last Sunday afternoon. Judy, we love you, and we'll continue to pray for you. Uh, if anybody can do something to show love and concern and care for Judy and that family, if David needs anything, will you let us know um, so we can minister to them? Thank you. Let's sing sanctuary to leave together. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary.
sanctuary for you. Y'all have a great week. I hope to see you Saturday.